Welcome to When We Speak, where we shed stigmas, say goodbye to shame, strengthen ourselves, and encourage others. I am your host, Tasha Hunter. This is a podcast where I am blending the intersections of race, gender, sexuality, faith, and trauma. If there is a topic that most people say we're not supposed to talk about, I'm talking about it because that is how we heal. We don't heal in silence. We heal by speaking out. So I've got my friend here today. This is a special episode because in true Leo fashion, this is my birthday month, okay? So I wanted to interview all my friends for a special episode that I dreamed up. Uh, so today I have Lenny Elizabeth, I have Marcy Alvis Walker, Patricia Taylor, and Shay Sears Bearfield. Thank you, ladies, for being here. Before we really get into things, I want everyone to, even though I know everybody that's probably listening to this knows y'all, y'all still got to interview. I mean, not interview, but introduce yourself. I'm just going to go one by one. Letty, if you will introduce yourself. Hi, I'm Letty. People know me as Letty Shoemate, but going through a divorce. So I'm changing back to Letty Gore, but on Instagram, I'm Letty Elizabeth. Um, I'm a historian, anti-racism educator, have a podcast called History Shows Us. Um, I love food. I love Whitney Houston. I love Michael Jackson. I love calling out racism and white supremacy and all the things. So that is me. Uh, Marcy. Hi, I'm Marcy Alvis Walker. I am a writer and uh, um, I guess a visual content creator for Instagram and whatnot. Um, my feed is Black Coffee White Friends. I also have a Patreon account called Mockingbird History Lessons. I got a Bible, I got some things, y'all. I got a lot of things. Um, just follow me at Black Coffee White Friends and I'll be there. Um, and since we're talking about what we love, well, I love Kendrick Lamar. I think he's my child in another life. A lot of rap music in my life, but musicals as well. Go figure. I don't know. <laughs> Thank you. And next, Patricia. Hi, everyone. I'm Patricia Taylor, and I'm excited to be here with all these beautiful ladies. You all should see us. We look good, just saying. Uh, but you can find me on the internet streets at Patricia underscore A underscore Taylor, where I share a lot of anti-racism content. Uh, I really talk a lot about the church's role in uh, racism and the lack of participation in dismantling it as we should be doing and we're not, um, and the harm that continues to perpetuate within that institution. Um, I love connecting with people, meeting new people, uh, caramel ice cream. I ate a whole pint last night and I have no regrets and I ate it before dinner. Uh, so that's just, that's how I roll. Um, I also co-host a podcast with three other women, an ecumenical podcast focusing on uh, justice and faith. It's called Upside Down Podcast. And I also work with Be the Bridge, which is a phenomenal racial equity and racial education uh, organization. So that's a little Thank bit about you. me. Thank you, Patricia. And Shay. Hey there. Um, okay, so my name is Shay. I have a talk show called The Shay Show. It's on Instagram and YouTube. I like to curate meaningful conversations that I feel push the needle towards love. And I love hearing people's stories. I find that when we share our stories, we invariably see ourselves in each other. It's something that makes us feel more connected than divided, more, more together than apart. 
And so that's what I like to do. Thank you so much, Shay. We're, we've got Patricia for just a little bit today. She's going to have to hop off. So if you guys don't hear her in the later part of the conversation, that's why, because we all are multitasking over here. So we got a lot going on. And like I said before, I wanted to talk to my friends because it's my birthday month. And I wanted to just talk about all things, what we go through as Black women. What are you no longer willing to return to? When I thought about that question, I said, I am no longer willing to return to playing small for the benefit of other people. Staying silent when I know that my voice is powerful and it's big and it's purposeful. So I'm no longer returning to that version of myself that felt like I needed to stay silent in order to feel safe. So Letty, you're first. What are you no longer returning to? So I am no longer returning to abandoning myself um, for love, for friendships, whatever it might be. I'm just not doing that anymore. I know what it feels like to do that. I didn't think I would know what it feels like to do that at 33, but I do. And it's just really taught me a lot the past year. And specifically, whenever I mean um, abandoning, abandoning myself for love, it's I found um, that I kind of lost myself. I, I, I lost sight of who I wanted to be or who I truly was. So I'm not doing that. I'm also no longer going to keep things to myself whenever it comes to my feelings, um, just to appease others and to center their feelings. I'm just not doing that anymore. No, absolutely not. <laughs> uh, it's, but to get to that place has been a, a lot of work, but yeah, so those are just two things. Geez, that was powerful. Marcy, what are you no longer returning to? Yeah, um, Letty, I, I love everything that you said. I'm just sitting here nodding and nodding and nodding. For me, it is, I, I will no longer um, return to any homogenous community where I'm the only one. I, I can't do it anymore. I, I've done it my whole life. And moving to the community that I live in now walking outside my door and seeing such a variety of life has been so, I can't even express to y'all. Like my husband who is white continually is just like, I didn't know I was missing this. Like I didn't know I was missing this. Like for him, it's like, we, we, are, we are just like, we can't go back to just a world where whiteness is the, the, the fullness of life and everything else is just peripheral. And no longer can I do it in any kind of community. So I live in this community where it is rich and poor, white and black and Hispanic and, um, you know, Asian and all kinds of languages. When you're on the street, like you hear different languages being spoken all the time. It is every kind of gender identity, sexual identity, um, all of these things are just so enriching and you feel like you can be yourself because there's no model. There's no like one way to be like, there's, there are people, I only want to be in heaven if it's like this. <laughs> like I'm like, if a heaven is just more of American, American nonsense, I'm like, I'm cool not going. But, um, but if heaven is this, I am so down for it. I feel like I live in heaven. Oh, I love that, Marcy. Patricia, 
what are you no longer returning to? Ooh, I love that too, Marcy. Uh, I will no longer return to, along the similar veins, spaces or places where I have to code switch or dumb down who I am and, and, and how I am and present myself in a, a way that is acceptable to the white majority. Um, because I just, I've been that token black friend for too long. I'm over it. Uh, you know, it doesn't work because you're, you still, unless you stay in that box, you stay in that mold forever and ever and ever, you're going to do something that's not going to be, you know, approved by said people <laughs> who uh, like you when you don't challenge them and, and can keep things easy as long as you never step on their toes when it comes to the ways that they are contributing to racism and not checking their own biases. And I just won't go back. I just won't go back to those places. Um, I'm not going to uh, be less of who I am, similar to what you all have already said, to make other people comfortable. And also like personal mission, I'm not gonna go back to this place where I am sucked into perfectionism, which is just also so tied to white supremacy. And you know, I don't have to be perfect. I am, I am wonderful as me and I'm not gonna let these constructs and expectations and pressure uh, just suck the life out of me and take my joy. Uh, I just, I, I won't and can't go back there. Mm, thank you, Patricia. Shay, what are you no longer returning to? Well, first of all, I'm not going to any of the places that the aforementioned people talked about. I'm not going there either. So I like want to steal all of their places to not return to and go, ditto, ditto, ditto. <laughs> I was thinking about it. I pre First of all, this group of women and the intellect and spirit and heart is, it's palpable. It's like something that I can eat. And I appreciate it. It's amazing. I'm like, wow, I cannot believe a year ago, I did not know these people, and now I do. So the places that I no longer want to return to, and I'm not going to return to, is I'm not going to return to places that required me to perform in a certain manner and bring only a certain part of me in the room and leave the rest of it out of the room in order to comply with what it thought it liked and needed. And I don't care whether or not it likes me anymore. I'm not going to change myself to the degree that I'll be liked by environments any longer, or that I think I'll be liked by those environments. I'm not longer, I'm no longer going to return to um, thinking that I have everything to gain from being in these places and not realizing that they have everything to damn gain from me walking into those rooms. I'm no longer going to return to third and final thing. I, I remember in law school, I would always get really frustrated Anytime I ran into uh, a person that I called Shamquita, that black girl that is all of those black things that we are taught are so not together, so not apropos, so not um, worthy. I'm no longer gonna return to Shamquita being anything more than she is. There's no need for her to change. There's no need for her to be anything else than she is and what she has to bring to the world. And what she has to bring to the world is something magnificent. And I'm no longer going to return to the place where I believe the lie that she is not enough because she is not white enough. That's so good. What are we, next, next question, what are we no longer willing to accept from others? And when I think about what I am no longer willing to accept from others, I will never again entertain a conversation with someone 
where they are giving me unsolicited feedback on who I am or what they believe about me under the guise of Christianity or love or correction or any of that, because I ain't asked you a damn thing. I didn't ask your permission. I don't need your permission to be who I am. I don't need your godly advice because God is within me. She's a black woman. She is for me. So I will never again entertain a conversation with another person where they feel like it's their purpose. They feel led to correct or to guide or anything me. Like, they, like they're giving me a word from the Lord or anything like that. Those days are over. So Letty, uh, what are you no longer willing to accept from other people? So just blanket um, term right now. I'm just no longer accepting what I deem as disrespectful to me, period. Just whatever I decide is disrespectful to me, I'm just not doing it anymore. I, no, I'm not. I'm just not accepting it from you. Um, I don't have to explain that to you. I don't have to justify any of that to you. I have to do that out here already in this white world. So I'm damn sure not going to do it whenever I don't like have to in these relationships or friendships or whatever it is. I'm just not going to accept disrespect from people. I'm also no longer accepting just like, half-assed relationships and friendships. Like I just don't have it in me. I don't have it. I don't have it. I don't have it. And once I learned where that, why I was doing it for so long and why I was tolerating it and where that comes from, once I really like took accountability for my own shit, I was like, oh yeah, I'm not doing this with other people. And there's a price to pay for that. Right. And, and, and also knowing that it's not going to feel good to other people, but I don't live my life for other people out here. Right. So, um, it's, it's that, uh, and I was actually recently talking to one of my friends about this third one. I'm just no longer accepting. And this is actually very specific. Whenever I tell someone something and they just don't even acknowledge it, I'm just not accepting that. And that's like a very specific thing. And I recognize that right now and during this conversation, but I feel like we don't talk about these things enough out loud, but I talk about these things with other people. And so, yeah, I know those are all in like one kind of category, but it's because a lot of what I do is talk to people. And I also pour into those that I, that I want to pour into. Um, but also reciprocity is real and necessary. So I'll leave it at that. That is such a good word. Marcy, what about you? Yeah, I'm, I'm no longer, um, uh, it's kind of on the lines of unsolicited feedback, but to be more to the point, I just will no longer accept nonsense. Just, just nonsense. I, I, I'm just like, you know, if you're out here talking about something and you haven't experienced it, you don't know nothing about it, you ain't read no books, you ain't done no work, I, I, I just... The nonsense, I just can't even, I, I don't have time. I don't even have time. And, you know, I used to spend so much time wondering, well, how did they come to that? No, no, I don't care. You're, it's nonsense. There, you know, I think that we don't talk enough about how the Bible talks a lot about fools and foolishness. And I feel like we need to bring back like my grandmother's generation where they, they were quick to call a fool out. Like they're just like, He's a fool. That's foolish. I'm not having that foolishness in my house. And like now we've become this culture where we're so 
we accept so much nonsense and foolishness. And I, I, I'm bewildered at it. I'm bewildered just even in the media. I'm just like, well, why are you printing that? You know, it's nonsense, don't print it. You know, like, I'm just like, it's really quite simple. You know, it's nonsense, don't ask his opinion. He's nonsensical. Like, why are you even going there? So for me, it's any kind of nonsense, any just stupid, uneducated, uninformed, um, non-experiential nonsense that someone <laughs> is touting out. And as much as I want to save the world, I'm just going to leave people to their nonsense. I don't have to fix it. Patricia, what about you? <laughs> nonsense covers it all. Uh, everything you all have said, uh, I will no longer accept uh, words, actions, behaviors that don't honor my dignity. Uh, just period. Like, I'm a whole human. If you can't understand that, that's your problem. That's on you. I, I won't accept it. And along with that, I won't accept expectations that others have put on me uh, to, you know, absolve them of the, the, the wrongdoings or absolve them of whatever harm they've caused or expect, expect me to coddle them or make them feel comfortable. Uh, it's such a, it's just bizarre. Like Marcy mm -hmm. said, like when people do things that are honestly terrible or truly foolish, we're not talking about, oh, sorry, you got my order wrong at the, you know, fast food restaurant. Like you caused harm or you've done something really terrible. Oh, it just, just, just let it slide. You know, you understand. Yeah. No, I don't. Cause I'm, I am a real person and you're taking advantage of that. And I'm not going to accept that at all. Yeah. And you're not going to invalidate my feelings. So yeah. boop, boop, boop. <laughs> that is so good. What are you no longer willing to accept? I'm no longer willing to keep feeling like I have to try to be good enough for any space. I mean, I, I know that sounds repetitive, but feel like that's a big thing that I have labored in my life is to make sure I was good enough, smart enough, strong enough um, in a space, literally occupied space. And I'm ready more than enough. I really am not doing it anymore. Like I look back at my own life and I saw how many instances I was just overjoyed that I was allowed to exist in a space. And I really am like, I should have been thinking, and not to be self-conceited, but wow, how blessed they are to have me enter this space. How, so I just not, I'm not going to accept that anymore. And I'm not going to accept the requirement of my whole being being questioned, everything about me being questioned and providing me no answers of who they are. I, I found myself in environments where I realized white people, specifically white women, would question me about everything, things that spoke to my motivations, things that spoke to my essence all the time. Yet, I never asked them the same, nor did they ever give me confirmation that I could. So then I was like, wait a minute, what have I been telling them through my actions that they can of me? But what have they been exceptionally clear to me about? They've been exceptionally clear to me that they're their being was not up for me to question. So I guess I'm no longer accepting you You questioning my entire being and me feeling like I got to give you a damn answer. Mar Marcy, did you have something to add? Yeah, I had to add um, on, on the lines of this. I also am not accepting any more mediocrity. I'm so sick of it. I 
have this new thing that I do where I will check to see what you posted and what Letty posted and what Shay posted and what Patricia posted and what a whole host of other Black women that I follow, Black geniuses, goddesses, what they're po posting. And then I'll go look at mediocrity on the white side of things. And it'll be like, I opened my fridge, my kid, you know, look at my kid, you know, and I'm just like, I, and, and it will have so many likes and this mediocrity is getting book deals and TV shows. And I am so done with that. I'm like, oh, so you married someone who makes great houses? Shoot, my people made this country. Like, it's just kind of like, I'm just over that being impressed by that. I'm like, well, yeah, your life should look kind of golden. Why wouldn't it be? You got the nanny, you got the this, you got the, like, why wouldn't it look golden? And so I'm just kind of like frustrated um, with how little it takes for a white demographic to be considered excellent. You know, when really they're just talking about nonsense, like, you know, and then like I have, this beautiful sisterhood of not just blackness, but Asian women and Hispanic women and um, women who are in the country on an F1 um, immigrant status, right? And they're doing bonkers, crazy, amazing work. They're bleeding on the page every single day. And it's like two likes, five likes, you know? And I'm just like, this is crazy. But then this girl, this chick literally just did a yoga move and everybody's going bananas. I don't, I'm done with that too. Done. Done being impressed with that. We often think of reparations as what is owed to our ancestors and obviously by extension as Black people, what's owed to us. Um, but I'd like to just for the purpose of this conversation, I know that I'm, we're not really talking about real reparations, but just for the purpose of this conversation, um, I want to extend that definition and to ask if you were to receive reparations, what would that look like for you and what would you want? And when I think about that question, I want reparations from Black men because I feel like Black men, in my opinion, largely have not protected us. They have not stood up. They have not been strong. They have not been safe. They have not protected us. In many ways, they weren't able to protect them, their damn selves. But here's my point. Black women, we are leaders. We are queens. We are goddesses. We are highly educated, motivated. We are grinding. We're doing everything. Can you meet me at, at the point of, you know, where, where I'm working my ass off? Can you meet me there? Because we're just, we're in as much strain and struggle. We're feeling racism. We're feeling sexism. We're feeling all the things. And yet we persist. We continue. We do it all. If we're sick, if we're lonely, if we're depressed, if we're suffering with symptoms of PTSD, if we're nearly fucking dead, we still do it all. I want reparations from Black men who have not honored us, who have not protected us, who have not been safe places for us, and who have not created safety for us. I want reparations from Black men who have not spoken out. You know, when I think about sexual assault, I want reparations. 
the reparations for me looks like I want an apology and change behavior, accountability and change behavior. Letty. Absolutely all of that. Um, <laughs> okay. And I also want to make a comment real quick. I was thinking about it after the last question, Tasha. I was just thinking, I was like, we're out here having to look at mediocrity, right? From people who don't even bathe, like they don't bathe. Like they actually are out here in Twitter talking about how they don't bathe, like literally in the street saying it and they're proud of it and people are co-signing it. Who is co-signing this shit? Have y'all, did y'all not read any history at all ever? None of it? This is why we still have COVID. I'm gonna get off of that. I, I just had to say that real quick because it's really been bothering me the whole week and the fact that it's cool to not shower and bathe because, cele- because white celebrities are saying it I wish people could physically see like what I'm doing right now. Like, it makes me uncomfortable. <laughs> I have someone who showers two or three times a day. Anyway, um, so reparations. All right. So as I hear in your answer, Tasha, I have two in two different categories <laughs> because you took that a whole other place, which I'm glad though, like a deeper place about reparations and like the the meaning of it for you. And with that, like there is so much in history about like just how black women our wombs literally birthed this nation. Like our ancestors birthed the nation, like built the nation. And I mean that because people want to put it into this neatly wrapped box of just black enslaved women who were raped and brutalized and forced to breed like fucking machines. Uh, they see, I'm like, y'all, yeah. So black men, that was really interesting. And now that has me thinking. I just wanted to give feedback on that. And... For mine, number one, I um, want how I would love to see reparations in a more tangible sense as far as like something in particular is I want everyone, every, every black person to have access to therapy as many times as they want it, period. I don't care if it's every fucking day. I don't care. I don't care. I want them to have access to therapy with the therapist they want every single day as long as they want it, however they want it, however that looks like. Um, But not even just that, um, with that also, like, have it paid for. Like, we don't need to be paying for it. No, because our mental health directly affects our physical um, health as well and everything else that goes on in this country. Whenever people want to talk about diet culture and sickness and all of this bullshit, it all goes back to that. Um, and, And the intergenerational trauma and the horrific atrocities that were done to our ancestors. So- There's that. But I also want reparations from all the white people and any white passing people, because I'm going to say that because brown people are also included in this because they can they benefit from white supremacy. I'm just going to say that. And if people get mad, I really don't care um, because it's true. I want all the white people, which is every white person in this country to not only apologize for how many times they've literally walked past racist shit happening and not done anything about it, but to have to pay for that. I have to actually, there, there, there needs to be some sort of atonement for that. I don't know what that looks like, but that's actually what I've thought about for a long time. That's a huge problem. And I do mean every white person. Every white person has decided that they're just not going to speak up about racism, about white supremacy, about anything hateful that's happening. They're just going to walk past it. And then these same people want to talk about, oh, well, you're supposed to speak up whenever you see wrong. Yeah, but it's only whenever it's to a white person. It's never never to a black person because then you would have to actually sacrifice your whiteness and you don't want to do that because it's going to cost you something. It's going to cost you to have to see that you are actually this made up white person. But I'm going to leave that at that. Yeah, Patricia. Uh, I don't even know how to follow you two. I'm just like every, every 
everything, all the things. Yes. <laughs> um, I love the tangible that Meletti said with the, with the mental health of the therapy, like, like hands down completely. Like that was something that I think about all the time. Ooh, I could say so many things. Uh, I would for sure say I want reparations from white people in the church who claim that they love their brothers and sisters in the Lord, but they only mean that conditionally. That say, I, I, I love being there for people. I show up for people, but that's only easy and done when they also don't have to confront their own participation in racism for the gaslighting, for the tone policing, for twisting and distorting who Brown Jesus really is to the world and within their own communities and the harm that continues to happen uh, to the former friends who didn't think that I was worth fighting for. Uh, apologies I want is not enough, <laughs> uh, but stand up and own it because all of you all are guilty. And, you know, I don't want to hear any of this, like, all will be well one day in eternity. Like, like we're supposed to bring kingdom down to earth right, right now. So right now, this moment, own it, acknowledge it, repent, a word that they love to use for everybody else, for everybody else's sin, for everybody else's situation. I, I need them to repent and to restore and to repair and to acknowledge and to apologize and then sit down and let other people like other people actually come and lead. We don't need you to plant any more churches. Mm-hmm. Like, we don't need you to, to keep doing this and then creating more cycles. We don't need you to go to 50 more countries in Africa to, to keep spreading harm. Just sit down, sit with yourself, let the spirit of the Lord move upon you and be still for real. And, yeah. and like, that's, you know, uh, all the white women tears, bottle them up and save them, throw them in the trash. Don't bring them to me. Like, mm-hmm. give me a dollar for every white woman tear I have been presented with. And I will, I'll pay for everybody's therapy myself. Marcy, uh, what, 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 um, if you were thinking of reparations in an expanded way, y'all, <laughs> i I don't know what it is. I don't I don't know what happens at 50, but something happens. I, I turned 50 a couple of years ago. I'm t- about to turn 52. And I don't know. I think about that. I don't have like, I, I don't have like endless time on this planet. Like, you know, when you're young, you just like, shoot, I'm, I got days and days to go. But now like I count my days. And um, when I think about reparations, I think about the time, this time that I've spent here, there's just been too much white interference in my life. I, I want, for me, reparations is no white interference, like none. I want, I don't want you involved in anything. Like as much as I want, like I would love for, like, I, I feel like as much as I feel like the church, white churches should be paying 10%, 20% that time that they're, they're collecting, that's ours. Like, I feel like that's ours. You lynched bodies on your church grounds you owned slaves, you kept us from the pews, you said that we were ungodly and unholy, oh no, you owe us. But I'm so distrustful of institution that I'm just like, I I don't want you giving me a reparation or even an apology as some sort of your way into into the kingdom of heaven. Like I, I I just, I'm so like, my eye is always just kind of like side-eyeing, like, is this for me or is this because you want to live in eternal, uh, in eternal glory? I don't, I don't want, 
I feel like even if they were to do what I wanted them to do, because I, I think about this late at night all the time, like sitting in bed, like late at night thinking about how to make things right. I always think, yeah, but they they would just they would just somehow make that about them. Like they would just make it about them. So any kind of reparation, I don't want a white fingerprint on it. And I don't know how that happens except for some miracles, some loaves and fishes. I honestly don't know, but I feel like I don't want your apology. I just kind of am in this place where I'm just like, like when people like show like a video of some white person apologizing, I'm so cynical about it. I'm just being real and honest. I'm just like, the fact that it's filmed makes me all skeptical. I'm like, if you feel so bad about it, just go feel bad and sorry and make your peace, right? But that you have to film it and then show it all over the world. Like, look at me, white person, apologize. I, I just... To me, that's nonsensical. I'm just like, that's not doing anything for me. So I don't want your apologies. I think I just want your vote, if anything. Give the votes to us Black people. I almost like wish reparations were white folks didn't get the vote for 10 years. I don't know. I mean, I'm serious about that. I'm just kind of like, we were suppressed from voting. I'm just like, hey, let's make it even. Y'all don't get the vote. How about that? You know, how about we come up with some poll tax? Like you got to know um, all the lyrics to Ready for the World or something. Like, I don't know. Like, I'm just like, we need to do. And I know that that's like, I, I admit it's like petty and, and silly, but I'm just here to tell you that's like where my, 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 I, and I pray about it. I'm like, Lord, help me out. I, this is just how I feel about the whole situation. I just feel like until they know what the oppression feels like, their apology means nothing. And I know that just even from my own experience, like when I when I apologize to my gay friends for dumb stuff that I did or said or triggered, it didn't mean anything except where I'm limited in knowing what it felt like for them. But now when I see what my daughter is going through and her coming out and, and the pain and the exhaustion of just trying to figure out how to exist as a gay woman in this world, right? Now I know what, uh, now I know if I wronged a friend who was um, gay, I would have a different way of apologizing because I, I understand it differently, right? So I feel like when people apologize for what they don't know, I, I'm, I can't hear it. I'm just kind of like, it means nothing to me. A reparation for people don't, who don't feel like they need to give me a reparation, keep your money. But like something like, okay, for 10 years, white people don't get the vote unless they know all the lyrics to Ready's for the World, <laughs> Ready for the World song, or until they listen to a whole Kendrick Lamar album, or unless they know the proper equation for a fat to, uh, of Crisco to um, flour and salt, and and Laurie seasoning salt for frying chicken. I don't know. I'm I'm yeah. serious. I'm like I'm like until they know what it was like for my people to show up at the polls and be asked dumb stuff before they could vote. I I want that. I want them to have to take the test. I want them to have to like see the signs where they don't get to see the doctor of their choice because it's whites only. I want them to like show up at the hospital and not be able to get the help that they need. I want them to feel it. And I, mm -hmm. I want them to have the experience of it. I want them to have all the microaggressions. I want a thousand people to touch their hair. I want, I want all of it. I want somebody, I want them to go 
I want wet white women to go into the makeup counter and find two shades. That's all they got. That's all they got is just the two shades of colors that they can do. For me, reparations is like um, a dystopian alternative universe where white people actually have to see what it feels like to like move into a neighborhood and have your property values go down all of that i want them to understand it I, it's more than just the doing i want them to understand it i want them to see that as as harsh as it sounds i'm like until you see black and white photos of people who look like your people hanging in trees you do not know you don't know with that Shay, what kind of reparations do you want and from who? You know, I was thinking about this deeply as you guys are all saying all of your reparations and I'm a copycat. I've won all of those things too. Years ago, I had a colleague who, white American from the South, she told me about a story when she was coming home from school. There was a little black girl that was, she's probably five to seven years older than me, so she's probably in her like 50, early 50s. And she was like, hey, I, I had the best girlfriend who was this cute little black girl. And, and I asked her to, you know, ride home with me on the school bus. And she can get off where at my house and I'd walk her home because it was just up the road just so I could be with her a little bit longer. And when I got off the bus with her little black friend and she started walking towards her house, when her mother looked up and saw her walking, and by the way, I want to be clear, they're about, in this story, she's telling me, they're about six or seven years old. Her mother ran out of the front door, ran up to them, and she snatched her daughter, and she said, you get from here, you little jigaboo, or whatever, and she shooed that girl off. You nigger, you get away from my daughter. I've often thought, because I've had my own experience on the receiving end of that ridiculous behavior, and I know what type of damage it did to my little baby heart, and I know what damage it did to that lady. I've often thought about that lady. And so that lady is now probably 54 or 55 years old. Something was really stolen from her in that moment when she was six years old. So if there's some kind of reparation I would want, I would want every white person that has done us wrong to do it right, to build some young black kid up in a way that nothing can destroy them. And I know that we're talking ethereal shit that I cannot make happen, but if there could be building blocks that could build a soul with the same accuracy and exactness that souls have been destroyed, hearts have been broken, I want them same white people to be as dedicated, required to build up the heart of a young black person and see what that life looks like 10 years down the line, 20, 30 years down the line. I want that reparation. I want that stuff. I love that. And I, I would even like to give an additional answer as I hear all of you. I would love reparations from white people from the perspective of if you have built your, your wealth on the backs of black people, if you have built your wealth on the backs of people of color, that in some way you give it all back. <laughs> you start from scratch. You start with, start with your people. Start with your people. Don't depend on the Asians. Don't depend on the Black people or the Native Americans. Anybody that is a person of color on Hispanics, build your wealth from your people and let's see how far you get. And by the way, any wealth that you have obtained on the backs of people of color, you give it all back because we know you didn't pay for wages anyway. You mean instead of going to the edge of the, the of outer space? Yes. <laughs> They're going to go all the way to, yeah, <laughs> you're going to go all the way to outer space. 
I mean, just doing some crazy shit because you ain't got nothing else to do. Yes. So this next question, and I'm going to go to Patricia first because I know that you have to go here in a few minutes. Uh, how do you honor your Blackness from the perspective of self-care, Patricia? Mm. Boundaries, boundaries, boundaries. That has been my number one form of self-care. And it's been the most helpful. I'm still growing in that area. I really struggled with what boundaries meant. If, you know, just putting up boundaries meant I was shutting people out or, you know, was it not a reflection of, of you know, Christ-like behavior or was I just being too harsh or not giving people enough of a chance? And, and uh, that has been the most beneficial thing that I could, I'm sorry, I don't need you in my space. I don't need you to follow me. I don't need, I don't care if I block you. Uh, I don't have to see you show up on my feed. I don't have to say yes to an invitation. I don't really want to go to. Um, I don't need to worry about pleasing someone else because then it always ends up being that I get harmed in the process. And it's not always like a direct thing, but whether it's my energy that's being exerted or whether, you know, just not being appreciated or, or valued, boundaries, boundaries, boundaries has honestly been like the healthiest self-care move for me. And I'm still actively, constantly, diligently reevaluating what those boundaries look like. Um, and then practical things like, you know, candles and enjoying little pleasures and things like that. But that is by far like where, where I have to be. Like, I don't, I just don't know how we can do what we do and not have boundaries. Like we are expected to be everything to everybody. And for what, like, mm -hmm. that's the, you know, that's the expectation. We got to fight hardest for everybody. We've got to go until, you know, our knuckles bleed and then keep going. And then, but we can't, you know, be emotional. Don't be too angry. You know, we can't have real emotions that match like real situations because then that's taking it too far. It's just all too much. And I've done a lot of striving to try to match that. And I just can't and won't do that anymore. So it's been super Love helpful. Answer. Love that. Letty. Yeah, I like that answer too, Patricia, because boundaries, yeah, definitely, definitely a huge form of my self-care now. Um, and not just like, like establishing the boundaries, but keeping them too, right? Like that's, that's the other part is just keeping them. And um, also, yeah, seeing that how much I betray myself and I don't do that. So yeah, so definitely I'm going to copy you with that one. And also two other things for me, and I mean, these are kind of general, but also related to me as a black woman and in, in my blackness is uh, saying no, just no. Nope, just no, because we, and I want to say this, like there have been so many times in history that we as black people could not even, could not say no. We couldn't say anything, actually. We just had, our ancestors just had to endure, had just had to take whatever was coming to them, violence um, in all the forms. Uh, I think about my parents a lot with that kind of stuff and how many times my parents could not just say no. They had to just go along with it for survival. Um, and then to another one is, um, reminding myself that I deserve good things. A therapist tells me that at, during every therapy session, twice a month or three times a month, how many times I do it. And, and she's always reminding me, I deserve good things. And I understand that can be applied to anyone. Right. Um, but for me and my blackness it's because this world, this country tells us that we don't deserve good things. 
and we fucking do because we should be getting any and everything that we want and more for the for what we've done throughout history not just in the country in the world because people want to leave the world out of it and they're like oh but only in in america y'all y'all know there's other continents with black people on it right y'all y'all know there's a whole other part of the world so yeah those are those are my answers i just want to hop in real quick because man that's it like shivers on my spine lady because i hear that too that's the reminder that like but why do we do that ah, and i know the why and there's lots of reasons but it's so easy for me to think automatically good thing happens i don't deserve it mm-hmm. yeah you know that's just that to be able to accept that and have self-compassion in mm-hmm. that process is so transformative so just thank you for naming that yeah, and it's like it's a trauma response, right? As people, right? But also, it's a trauma response from what our ancestors felt. That mm-hmm. shit's in our DNA. Like we, yes. we hold that, right? Like mm-hmm. we hold that. People wonder why Black women have such a hard time with like. And trigger warning here for people. I'm just going to say this, Tasha. If this is okay, <laughs> but like mm-hmm. have such a hard time having children, caring children, right? All people, we hold it. We hold all that happened to us, and I don't, and, and not just that. It's because I'm I'm actually rereading medical apartheid right now, so that's like on on my mind, and it's just like it just baffles me, right? That people expect us to continue um, to have this mindset that we just have to take whatever comes to us, and that's it. Um, there is a quote that James Baldwin said. Um, he said it in the fire next time in, in the first part of, of the fire next time, there's a, it's a letter that he wrote to his nephew and he basically says, and this is just paraphrased cause I will never misquote James Bowen a day in my life, but paraphrased, he basically said that this country didn't expect us, um, to do anything except make peace with mediocrity. The country didn't expect us to do anything more. So whenever we, we started doing more, the country starts panicking right? White, white people start panicking. You, you see things like we see right now when they're changing the rules for the Olympics. They're, they're, they're changing it all because they don't want us. They, they don't want us. That's just it. And people are like, well, lady, that's, that's harsh. No, nah, it's not actually because y'all said it to us. Y'all mm-hmm. keep saying it. So like, what are we talking about here? Anyway, mm-hmm. what is wrong with y'all? Anyway. <laughs> they white. <laughs> Marcy. I love everything that Letty and um, Patricia shared. And, and I, I, I love this question of self-care in our particular community, Black women community. And across the, I, I agree, across the diaspora, because we're just, in so many countries, self-care is just not made a priority for us. Others certainly won't make our self-care a priority. Um, I think for me, the way that I'm doing it now mostly besides all the things that um, the other women have shared and candles and sleep and all that kind of stuff is starting to get back home on my own intuitive sense in the world, my own ambition. I feel like it's been so battered and broken because of outside voices and outside expectations. And so Um, it's been really hard to know what I know to be true within myself, right? What I intuitively know. 
because they're like Letty said, there's been all this trauma that I'll question, like what I intuitively know. And I'll go with the thing that I think my intuition is saying and then figure out, no, intuitively you were, you actually believe the opposite of this, but because of um, everybody else's expectations in the world or something, some crazy nonsense that you read that had nothing to do with Black people or Black women, you did the opposite, you know? Example of that, because it sounds so weird, is that whenever I see pictures of women in Africa, Black women in Africa, they're, they're, they're exactly as they should be. Their bodies, their hair, their minds, just the, the, the way that they're carrying themselves seems to be exactly as they should be. Like there's no one, um, like there's one, no, one, one body type. There's no one way of dressing or showing up, right? And I know that intuitively everybody is different. Like some people are tall, some, some people are short, some people are wide, some people are thin. Like I know that there's all this, there's this variety of how you can exist in a body, right? But then I'll do something that goes against what I intuitively know is right for me because of the expectation of what this American culture says I should be, right? So it's just trying to get back to hearing myself telling me, oh, this is what you need. You need, you need to take a nap. You need to do, a, take another shower. You need to, um, you need to sit down and have a pint of caramel ice cream, whatever, whatever it is. What's happening is that the voices of the oppressor come in and they're just like, well, if you have that pint of ice cream, then you got to go walk five miles. And if you, if you take that nap, then you know you got to stay up late and hustle. Um, and I'm just like starting to intuitively go, yeah, but that's not working for anyone. Like my intuition is that that's not what I mean. My intuition is that I need to rest or I need to move or I need to read or whatever it is, um, breathe more deeply, meditate, whatever it is. But a lot of times for every good thing that we want to do there's someone peddling some way that we're supposed to do it so you buy the oils and there's someone peddling like you have to do it this way and it's just like no my intuition can figure out how to rub some oil on my skin I can figure it out myself you know what I mean just just to trust my own needs is um really been a challenge and I've realized over the years that I've often knew what I needed and then did what I was supposed to do rather than what I needed for myself. Because someone wrote a book, someone said a thing, and I feel like, oh, well, I have to be on all these social media platforms because that's what they say is the model for business. But instead of listening and going, no, nope, I just don't want to do that. And trusting that it's all going to be okay. Yeah, I love that. Shay, from a perspective of uh, honoring your Blackness, or how are you honoring your Blackness from a perspective of self-care? God, that is such a provocative question. I, I love where Marcy is going with that, trusting myself, trusting that what I need to give myself is in fact what's needed and what's necessary. And it may not be what you say it is. It may not be what the throngs of people are in fact following. It may not be the prescribed thing, but if it's the thing that's calling me, 
and it's giving me rest or reprieve uh, or breath, then I do it. And I really want to, what it is, is more important than how it looked to be. You know, like if years ago I heard Oprah talk about how her home was decorated and it was really beautiful and it was magnificent and people would be like, oh my gosh, it's so beautiful. And all of a sudden she decided she wanted to have like a whole rejudging, just a, a whole rejudging of her home. And everybody was like, well, why? You're it's so beautiful. Look at this and this chair and this chair. And she essentially said, you know what I realized? The home was beautiful. and it was the type of home I thought was me and I thought would give me joy, but it didn't. All of these things were nice, but they weren't the things that fed her. So I think I'm really committed to giving myself the things that really do feed me. Um, and what really does feed me is exercising and sweating, breathing hard at some point in the day, taking care of myself and knowing that the things that I need, watching trash television, yep. I know it's ridiculous. Those things are self-care for me. So I'm committed to taking care of myself in those intuitive ways that my soul says I need, regardless of what you think it is, regardless even of what I think should be the thing that gives me reprieve. Yeah. Oh, I love that. And my answer for, for how I honor my Blackness from a perspective of self-care is I used to believe because it was told to us that when you're a black person, you have to work 10 times harder. You have to do 10 times more to get ahead, to be anything, to be successful, to have a seat at the table. I no longer believe that. I have my own table. I create my own table. I'm not competing with anyone else. And I know that I don't need to be a workhorse in order to be valuable. I'm already innately valuable. And in honoring my Blackness, I honor my ancestors by resting. That's the thing that they couldn't do. The resting has been just heaven, being able to say no, being able to take some things to, to say, well, I know I committed to doing this thing, but I'm overwhelmed right now. I can't do that. And so being able to say no, I believe, is honoring my ancestors. Taking the nap, clearing my schedule has been life. I thought that I was going to get a PhD because I thought, well, I need to, more education, more. I got to I gotta go further. I got to read all the books. I got to take all the courses. I got to do all the things. I'm good enough. I don't need to be giving the man all the money, getting all the education. Now, if I decide to get a PhD, that's my business and I can do it, but I'm not going to do it from a perspective of because I need to be better. So that is how I honor my Blackness. Patricia, I know that you have to go. Um, thank you so much for being with us today. And the next question, what have you learned about love? And so Letty, you're next. I'm going to answer this backwards, if, if, if that's okay. Learn what love is not. Love is not feeling, love is not feeling alone and empty and used. It's not, it's not love. Love is not feeling tokenized. Love is not love is not conditional it's just not love is not easy either we're told that it is at least i was i always thought that it was i always thought that love was oh love is easy no love is a verb it's an action right so i've really personally i've I mean for my personal life i've had to wrestle with that like what love is and isn't but love is unconditional and i know that's cliche but it's not the unconditional that 
people want to romanticize it as, right? Like, oh, love is conditional. You should just, you should just accept all the things. And, you know, growing up, people would say that and they would also start quoting Bible scriptures and all this stuff to me. No, because uh, people would take like Proverbs 3, 5 through 6, right? And they're like, oh, but see, you're supposed to guard your heart and everything that like you do flows from it and love unconditionally. And I'm like, no, no, those are boundaries though. That's what that verse is saying. It's about boundaries. That verse is not about, is not about just letting anyone do whatever the hell they want to do to you. That is not what that is. And and I and the reason why I'm bringing up the Bible in, in particular on here right now is because so much in this country is steeped in that white supremacist idea of what they want want this book to be or what they want Jesus to be and oh it drives me nuts and so there's like that part where I'm like that ain't that ain't it and so yeah I just simple answer because I don't want to talk for 20 minutes is love is unconditional and love should make me feel how I feel in my life right now not how I felt a year ago that's it that's just that's just it without me getting emotional on here. And I am so damn glad that I have chosen to learn that. And I've chosen to step into that because, because that is a choice. That is a choice and it's not easy. So yeah. Yeah. Marcy, what do you know about love? What have you learned about love? Okay. I'm trying to be, I'm trying to be real quick with this, but forgive me if I ramble because um, a lot of what Letty said just really resonated. And I, I, think we don't do enough talking about the harm of the church in this country and, and throughout the world. I feel like it's the missing part of history. I feel like a lot of people talk about history and they leave the church out of it. It's, it's just this innocent institution, but it's been the institution that has most flavored our culture of what is acceptable and not acceptable. And we don't usually question it. And so in that vein, the church has taught that love is sacrificial and they based this on the story of jesus where they're just like well jesus died for your sins well no jesus didn't die for my sins jesus died because some people um murdered him and they murdered him because he was saying that all people had life and had um value all lives have value so that's that's why they murdered him so he didn't sacrifice or lay down his life in that way. And I get upset because so much of the scriptures, like when people are throwing scripture at me and they're like, but the scripture says this. And I'm just like, that's what the translation says. That mm. is not what the scripture says. So if you want to believe what the translator said and put into it, then fine. You go ahead and you live your life that way. It's not true. It's you're, you're serving a false text because you won't refuse to do the work and find out who translated it that way and why. But love is transcendent. And it's so clear to me that it's not sacrificial, but transcendent. If we want to talk about the cross, I'm like, he transcended death. That's the message there. The message isn't about him hanging in sacrifice. The message is about him overcoming and transcending and still loving in spite of what happens. And that's different than sacrifice. And so the church uses this to keep women in marriages where they're getting beat and, you know, told that their opinion isn't as important as the man's opinion. And they use it to tell gay people that it's their duty to sacrifice um, a real love here on earth for a love with God. Like, you know, you don't, you can be gay, but you can't be in a relationship. What kind of nonsense is that? What kind of nonsense is that? 
like those sorts of things. And so I think when I think about love, I just think, and, and that's why we have white people who will easily say, we're the love your neighbor, but they don't, but they feel like there's this sacrifice that needs to happen. And because there's a sacrifice need that needs to happen, they'll say, well, but there's no racism. Because if there's no racism and I'm understanding love, loving neighbor being sacrificed, then I have to say that there's no racism. And that way I don't have to sacrifice anything. But I'm like, if you're understanding love as sacrifice, then of course you're going to say there's no racism. But if you understand love as transcendent, you can say that there's racism and we can transcend and grow past that, right? But I just bristle every single time <laughs> that I get a message in love message from somebody because I'm just like, there's no love in this. There's no love in this. There's no truth in it. And so I feel that love, if love isn't transcendent, and fully accepting and fully the full wholeness of a person, they're good, they're bad, they're ups and they're downs, they're lows and their highs. If it's not that, then it's not love. It's just not. So it's not just, you know, um, you can have love, but um, you can only have it if you're bleeding in a gutter or if you're, you know, working yourself to the bone because he's sacrificing because he's working for you and you get to buy home with the kids and this and that. So all that nonsense, all that ridiculousness is just not love. Can there be sacrifices within love? Sure. But the sacrifice has to be aligned with justice. And I think that's why we also have all these biblical scriptures where God clearly says, I do not want your sacrifices. I want justice. I want mercy. I want grace. So if you're sacrificing something, women out there right now in your home, in your relationship, if your relationship is sacrificed, but there's no mercy received from that and there's no justice in it, then you're just sacrificing. You're just bleeding. That's not going to transcend anything. And I, I, I just, from the bottom of my heart, ask you to start searching for what love really is and to start asking tough questions within yourself because you're playing a game of love that is not love. Shay, what do you know? What, what have you learned? What have you learned about love? Oh, yeah. Um, gosh, I was really trying to think what I've learned and just be really transparent. I've learned that it's something that we all really want and need without question or flaw or measure, like we really want it. It's something that we also really need to live. You know, one day I was driving home from work and I stopped at this light and there's this homeless guy sitting there and it was raining outside and he was sitting on the ground and he had a hoodie over his head and I couldn't see his face. But all I could see was he had this little cardboard sign that was just held up in front of him. And it said one word, help. And I spontaneously started to cry when I saw him. I didn't want to, I didn't mean to. It just, I couldn't stop the tears. And I cried because I thought the distance between him and myself was not too great that that could be me. And, and I'm not waxing on poetically. I truly mean that. I thought to myself, if the perfect confluence of things were at play in my life, and every person whom I love 
and didn't love me and, and loved me was no longer on this earth, could I easily be there? And I could, I could easily be there. So I think I've learned the sustaining nature of love. I think I've learned the power of love that if we don't have it, we feel it. And the repercussions of not, of not having love are great and profound. They're, and they can be seen. Mm. So love, it is probably one of the most important things in the world. That's what I've yeah. learned about love. I love all of your responses. And, but I guess I should answer the question as well. What have I learned about love? I think over time, over my lifetime, um, and particularly looking at the last couple of years, what I've learned about love is that love should always include, and I'm taking this from Bell Hooks, her, her definitions of love, which include care and concern and respect and reciprocity. And, and love should never include abuse. And if you're abusing me emotionally, verbally, physically, sexually, then I know that that's not love. It's the opposite. And it's grotesque. It's not love. And, you know, being raised in, in a community, in a family, in environments, and this saying that love is pain, and I'm doing this Thing because I love you. And all of these really screwed up messages will have us thinking that when someone abuses us, mistreats us, that they still love us when actually their behavior is indicative of the opposite of that. So now I'm able to recognize this. It's a wonderful thing, you guys that are listening. It's a wonderful thing to get older and to evolve and to just learn because now I'm able to recognize love pretty quickly. I'm able to recognize people's hearts and see the love in them pretty quickly and identify, oh, they're not serving love. This relationship, this person is not for me. Thank God for for the chance, you know, day-to-day -day chances to just evolve and to learn and, and to just recognize trauma and, and ways in which it shaped my own thinking. Liddy, why is your Black beautiful? My Black is beautiful because I was created and am existing in the image of my Black ancestors that decided to not give up and to not give in, even though it costs them so much. That's why my Black is beautiful. Mm. Also, my, my Black is beautiful because my parents are beautiful people and my family. So there's that part. Um, and my Black is beautiful because I am Letty. I am the only me that there is on this earth. It's only one me and mm. I'm beautiful who I am as a beautiful person. I am, and I'm saying that out loud because there've been so many years I haven't said that out loud, right? I felt like I didn't need to say that out loud. I felt like I needed to be more humble. I needed to be softer. Oh, well, you just don't want to brag too much. You don't want me to this or to that. Nah, that's trash. People that say that are trash humans and I'm tired of it. <laughs> so yeah. Marcy, why is your black beautiful? Okay, I'm gonna get all all uh hippy dippy on y'all right now. <laughs> this is where I'm at right now. I marvel 
at this created universe. I just marvel at it. And when I think about the story of an African people and the whole diaspora of what has occurred and throughout history and that we are still here. And I then apply that to the heavens, like the actual universe. And when you think about um, light years, that when something's light years away, that it's it, it could still be there or not be there. We don't know. Like it's light years ahead of us. It could this cosmic wonder could still be there. We have a picture of now. It gives me this presence of mind that um, unconnected to the ancestry of the land and the dust um, that we are made of. And it's something that is so special. I, I don't even think that we have the, the vocabulary in the Western civilization to understand it. Perfect example, um, an Aramaic language, which I've been reading a lot of things in Aramaic language, translations of Aramaic language. I don't speak Aramaic, but there are words for, I just learned that the word for Abba isn't just father, it's also mother, birther, creation, birther of creation, which is so much more significant than just this one linear way. So when I think about my own blackness and, and what makes my blackness special, it's just like, my God, I'm here. And in and, 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 and all honesty, with all the mysteries of the world, that any person is still on this planet is a, is a miracle. It's, it's miraculous. There's no, there's no reason for it. There's no, there's really is not. And I think it's just a wonderful thing to recognize. I know some people get creeped out by recognizing how small we are in this big, vast universe. But to me, I get very excited about that because I'm just like, you mean to tell me that of all the specks in this universe that could be a speck in this universe, you know, I get the ability of, to love, to think, to believe, to have faith, to have hope, to have relationship, um, to have hurts, to have wounds, to have a history. That's bonkers. That is bonkers. We are so microscopic. And so the fact that anyone would want some sort of whitewashed, one narrow presence of humanity is, I'm just like, my God, that's just like wanting just one star. That's stupid. Like, wouldn't you want all the stars, all the planets, all the flowers, all the trees? I mean, it's just so stupid to me. So I think what I love about me and my Blackness and what I'm so appreciative of is just the opportunity to contribute to this great human experience, experience and experiment. It's, it's a marvel to me. Yeah. For real. Thank you for that, Marcy. Shay, why is your black beautiful? I, I think my black is beautiful because like anything that is hard to come by, one must stop and pause and take in the beauty and the magnificence of what got it here. And we are hard to have come by. Um, it, we didn't get here by any easy feat. There are so many, I think, about all of the millions of people who we come from and who never saw 
it get any better for them than they hoped and prayed for. And I see them in my face. I see them in my lips, my nose. I see them in all the ways that I was required to know was ugly. I see them in all those places and I see them as beautiful. I used to always, and I'm getting better at this, still be like, man, I hate, I feel fat right now. I got to do this. And I know fat is not a feeling and I'm really loving that. Um, and I, my legs are so big. I wish I didn't have these big thighs. And when I saw these pictures of my mother's mother who died when my mother was one year old and that she had these big thighs, I guess I saw my thighs and her thighs and it made me hate them less and made me love them more. So my black is beautiful because it is special. It is hard earned. It is hard to come by. It's impossible that it's still here. Yeah, that's why. Oh, I love that. And um, I'll just say that it goes in line with everything that you all said. When I think about my ancestors, I feel like just energetically, like they're always pushing me and you Shay and you Letty and you Marcy, that our ancestors are literally in the heavenly realm somewhere guiding us, pushing us. I hear them saying to me, yes, girl, you got this. Do it. <laughs> Go in that direction. Speak this truth. I'm going to open this door for you, a door that you didn't even see years ago that would be open for you. I'm going to open this door for you because you've got some work. You're going to change some lives over here. I see, I really feel and see our ancestors guiding us as black women, as black people, and where whiteness has tried to convince us that we're worthless or that we're unworthy of any good thing or that we're not as good, that we are not as beautiful, that our features are not desirable. I hear my ancestors just constantly saying that is a lie. Your black skin it is beautiful. Your voice is beautiful. Your nose, your lips, the fullness of your hips, those thighs that you just spoke of, Shay. I can look at my body and I know, I feel it for the first time in my life that I am beautiful. And so a part of honoring my blackness is honoring my body, my gifts, my purpose. And so I don't know that I answered my own damn question, but I feel that I am walking just in an energy of beauty, never alone. I had this experience this past weekend, and one of the things that was kind of said to me is that though you labor alone, you are not alone. And so I always feel guided and protected, and I know that you guys, as my sisters, are moving in the same energy. We're all doing this work. Yeah. I want to say to each of you, Thank you so much for being in my life. Um, you're such a blessing to me. I don't know why I'm getting emotional. I think because I just love y'all so much. Um, but thank you so much for being on my podcast, for being my friend, but not just a friend, for being my sisters. Mm. Like real talk, this, this little girl in me that just never thought that I belonged. You guys have made me feel and have validated that I belong. And I'm just so grateful for you. And so um, 
any last words and then we're just going to end it here. Yeah. Well, happy birthday. Yeah. <laughs> and yes, baby girl, you belong and your your belonging is not our possessing you. Your belonging is our honoring you and seeing you and and um the reciprocal, you know? Um I love this opportunity just to be with you all. It's just so healing. Thank you for having us. And I just love how you were able to give us a gift of this on your birthday. It's a beautiful gift and I thank you for it. Thank you. Love you, Tasha. I love you. I, I feel like I tell you every day. I actually <laughs> do tell you every day, multiple times a day. Yeah, <laughs> I really do actually. But yeah. yes, I love you. I'm just really grateful for you. And also Shay and Marcy, like, and also Patricia, though she left already, yeah. but really grateful for you all because it's it's tough to find community out here. It's just mm -hmm. tough. Yeah. It's just tough to find true community with people that you know are genuine um black women in particular mm -hmm. so love y'all too yeah, love you guys love you love you guys so much so yes. much happy birthday girl yeah thank you all so much mm -hmm. thank you Thank you so much for listening to When We Speak. Follow me on Instagram at Tasha Hunter LCSW. If you haven't done so yet, please rate, review, and follow me on iTunes and share it on your social media. If you want a copy of my book, What Children Remember, it is available on Amazon. Until next time.